be art life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and protagonist of Heroin Training. Today's mini episode is called Anti-Racism in Your Art Life. And for this discussion, I'm so pleased to welcome my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, tell us about what we're doing today. Sandra, you and I had a couple of wonderful conversations over the past weekend where um, there have been, I, I was going to say, protests going on in the U.S., but now all over the world. So even though you're in the U.K., you're you're seeing it happen around you too. There have been protests going on, and we want to offer whatever help we can, but we also want to recognize that our voices aren't the most important right now. We want to amplify um, Black organizers and artists during this time of uh, protests and, you know, protests against police brutality, particularly against Black people. So what we decided was that we were going to take some time to do a mini episode and offer our listeners, our lovely listeners who we love so much, action that they can take. This is an episode about anti-racist action you can take in your art life. I have been doing activism work since I was a young teen, so I have a little bit of information that I can offer, particularly for artists. Um, I want to say, before I get into these suggestions, though, that you know this is specifically about art life. We're not going to get into all of the many ways that you can take anti-racist action. And also, listening to this episode is not action. We're so happy that you're listening, and we hope that this helps. But um, this is a list of action to take. And so listening to this episode of The Art Life does not qualify as your activism for the week or the help that you you gave to the, the revolution. Uh, you need to take action beyond listening to the list. Yes to that distinction, and I'm so glad that we're being clear from the beginning. And I thought a good question to start with is one that I've been asked, that I've been asking, that I've been seeing online. Um, is this is this message that silence is compliance, and there is pressure to speak up, and I think a lot of people are unsure about how to speak up or what counts, what would help, and um, that confusion about not knowing the right words to say or not knowing how to show up is causing more silence. And that was certainly the case for me and talking to you helped. So what would be your advice for somebody who wants to raise their hand and say, I'm, I'm here to to support, um, but wants to do it in a constructive way. Sure. Um, I mean, any any help is is appreciated. Any statement of I'm with you is a great start. But I think that it's important to say that if you're not like a black activist, a black creator, just a black person, um, like making a statement is a lot less necessary right now. You know, you want to not make it about your personal narrative and your feelings. Uh, if you're a non-Black ally, you don't want to make it about you. So I have been putting most of my energy into 
retweeting black organizers and black protesters showing up to protests um, offering my money I mean donating money is huge right now and being there in support with my black friends listening to them you know feeding them giving them whatever they need right now um, I think a great example, by the way, of like businesses that are making statements the right way would be someone like Hot Topic, who instead of uh, just posting like a vague, um, a vague like statement saying we believe Black Lives Matter, they said we believe Black Lives Matter and we're donating fifty thousand dollars to this specific cause. Or Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams' uh, production company, did something similar where they said, we're going to be donating $2 million a year for the next five years. Here's the plan with it. I want to hear what action people are taking, and I want to see them doing something like what you did uh, today where you you shared the, the edu- self-education you were doing, the books that you were reading about anti-racism. Um, that's really great because you're encouraging people to spend their money supporting black activists and writers. Sharing resources that center the oppressed group is a great place to start and giving your money to the people who need it. Great. The reason we started this discussion about this episode was because we had that, that talk between you and me about reading more diversely. Um, I had it with my roommate Katra too. We said, well, I started this year wanting to read more writers, writing to read more from writers of color, right? And we had a great discussion about how uh, it is hard because in our society, white is treated as the default. So I think that being intentional about consuming like more, um, you know, literature and film and music from artists of color is really, really important and recognizing that it has to be an intention that you keep track of. Mm -hmm. Has that been your experience this year? Yeah, that was one of the first things I did this week was I've just been, (laughs) I've been like patting myself on the back and saying, wow, I feel like I'm reading so many books by people of color this year. And when I actually looked the list and counted, it was half, half of the books that I've read this year are by people of color. And that was with like feeling like I was really going out of my way to do it. But because I wasn't looking at the actual numbers along the way, uh, that's just what it felt like. But it really hit home for me that white is default, that it so many, we just have so many more options. And um, those are the works that get shared. And um, and celebrated. I was at the Fringe Festival here in Edinburgh last year, and I had the same experience where I felt like I was seeing a lot of works by people of color. And then I counted, and it was a third of the plays that I'd been to for a variety of reasons. Like, I was being handed free tickets to more shows by white artists, for example, and those are the ones that were getting a lot of buzz. So, just circumstance um, made the the number shake out that way. So it's something that I am, I have been loosely committed to that I'm doubling down on from here on out. Well, and it's such a great you know opportunity to mention also that you should amplify the work 
from artists of color. Like one of our listeners, Sean Leisher, is such a great advocate for you know plays, theater, art by artists of color um, and diversity in the theater. And if he loves something, he tells everyone about it. He sends copies of the play to people. And like, we can do that too. You know, if you if you see a show at Fringe or if I read a book that I love, um, I gotta go tell five friends about it. Yeah. Encourage them to buy a copy, encourage them to buy a ticket. Like we can do that, it's so simple. And I'll take this moment to mention as well, there's a fantastic organization in, based in Edinburgh called Fringe of Color that has a big list of um, of all of these performances and is a space to uh, to amplify, amplify those productions. Yeah, and I think it's so important to follow those types of sources mm-hmm. in your community so that you're not just being um, surrounded by advertising and social media posts about, like, art by white people or, you know, readings by white people. Because if that's all you're seeing on social media or in marketing, how are you going to know otherwise? So, you know, take it upon yourself to amplify the work and to follow those outlets that amplify that work. And also, I mean, just show up, you know, show up to galleries and workshops and readings uh, that maybe you wouldn't show up to otherwise or, you know, are about anti-racist work or readings by authors of color, like that, they're happening. They're around you. Just look it up. Look at your local bookstore. Um, that's you know yet another way that we can we can like champion the work of artists of color. All right. What else? One thing that I have been very intentional about in my past few years living in LA, and I haven't spoken about before publicly. I feel a little weird admitting that, but it, the truth is, I don't want. I don't want to make choices like this about me and I don't want applause for being like a good activist I think that it's important to just do do the right thing and you know have that be enough but um I have decided that when I am in a hiring position I always prioritize hiring staff cast crew um artists of color whenever possible so you know there have been examples where I'm producing on a, a film set and I make sure that there's no all-white cast, no all-white crew that I'm being intentional about hiring uh, artists of color behind and in front of the camera. Or even recently, like last year, um, being cast in a film as the lead where my co-star hadn't been cast yet, I uh, pushed really hard for an actor of color who I love and, you know, someone I, I I knew personally and really believed in his work. I pushed really hard for him to be cast. And we also ended up rewriting parts of the script um, to take out, like, concerns that he had about being a Black man saying certain lines. And we were in the director, this, you know, white man, he allowed us to rewrite the script, too, to make it more comfortable. So when you're in a hiring position or you have privilege like I do, um, you can use that to get, you know, opportunities and money in the pockets of artists of color. It's like really that simple. Yay. I had an amazing discussion today, by the way, with Valerie Lohman, who is a voiceover actress and film actress in LA, and she is a listener of the show as well. I told her we were doing this episode, and she said, oh, I was just having a discussion with some VO actresses about how we get auditions for roles that are outside our ethnicity. 
because it's voiceover work, she'll, you know, as a white girl, she'll get auditions for black characters or Israeli characters or characters that she's realizing, actually, I shouldn't be auditioning for this. So she just had a discussion today about saying no to voiceover roles for non-white characters, um, even if she books it, you know, even if she gets the mm-hmm. gig. And uh, I know that I've talked many times on the show before about how saying no have been has been the biggest win of my career. Those opportunities where I've said no to um, scripts that have, like, racist tropes in them, uh... That's been much more gratifying than get being handed something or being cast in something. Say no to working with, you know, on racist uh, projects and with, um, if you're in a position of privilege, like say no to taking work from organizations that are like perpetuating racism. You, you can sacrifice that. That is the right choice. Um... And, and Valerie also brought up a great idea, especially in Hollywood, you know, a way to combat gatekeeping in the industry. But this is true for writers or many other, like, you know, gallery artists, too. Uh, give artists of color referrals to your agency. Mm. Like, if you are an artist who has a talent manager or an agent, like Valerie and I have, prioritize giving referrals to artists of color that is a very simple thing you can do to open a door for someone who hasn't had the opportunities you've had. And something that I thought you would love to hear about, Zandra, is this idea of sensitivity readers. Have you heard about this before? I have not. Tell me. So I learned about this from the young adult writer community a couple of years ago, um, where writers will pay sensitivity readers to read their draft and look over it like if they have a character with a disability they'll they'll hire a sensitivity reader who has that disability or you know or is a disability ad- activist um, to read over the work and and read it like read over it and give notes on things that should be rewritten we can do this with our essays, with our scripts. We can pay sensitivity readers who come from that community. We can just pay them money to look over something and say, you know, here are my notes. This is what you need to change. This perspective makes no sense. Like, that is a really easy way to actually collaborate with the community that you're trying to represent uh, and not do something offensive. Oh my gosh. It just, uh, it makes me so happy and relieved to hear when there is a word for something that just so needs to exist. So I'm I'm so glad that that's a thing. And uh, yeah, spread the word. Spread the word. And if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a writer and you want to know more, I would say like Twitter is a great place to find sensitivity readers. You can, you can do that through Twitter. Um, but, you know, search that phrase online and I'm sure there are like collections of uh, names of people who do this for a living or who do this as a side gig. And that is just such an amazing thing that has been brought into my world in the only the past few years. Thank you, young adult book community. Yay. Yay. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say that is just like in this uh, 
in this, you know, prep that I did for tonight is just there are a lot of triggers going on for people. There's a lot of defensiveness and, um, you know, white fragility, making it about your defensiveness or your feelings. That's just not the way. So what's going on right now is very upsetting and talking about race is is really difficult. It's uncomfortable whether you're a white person talking about it with a person of color or, you know, talking to your family or it's always uncomfortable and difficult and upsetting. But there's a lot of examples of uh, celebrities for, you know, right now or even peers making it about themselves, making it about their feelings and getting defensive and saying, well, I'm not racist, I'm a good person, I have black friends, or don't, you know, don't attack me. The The truth is, like, it's not about you and your feelings. If you're an ally, you need to shut up. You need to listen, and you need to focus the narrative on those who are oppressed, not on yourself. It's not about you. So sliding into the DMs of, like, you know, activists and, and getting defensive or even among your friends, making it about your feelings is the wrong move. Center the, center the narrative around the oppressed group and just offer your help and offer your ear to listen. That is way more important than your feelings. And that's the simple truth. So this is why we decided to offer an alternative and offer some action steps that you can go out and take today. And um, I think it would be helpful, Grace, if we, I might post an Instagram post on for this episode and we can use that space to share any resources that people have to recommend about um, any of the things that we've mentioned. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, stay connected, y'all. Like, stay connected to your community. Talk to your friends about all of this. Talk to your families. And, and you know, reach out to us if you have questions. Um, I'm really glad that we got to take this time to do this little info session. And just remember, like, take action. All right. Good luck. Happy action taking. So, Grace, what is the art life? (laughs) The art life is political. It's always political. What is the art life? The art life is taking action and expanding the definition of creation to creating change. Heck yeah. All right, let's go do it. From my side of the world, good morning, everyone. And from my side of the world, good night. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607 or email us theartlife at heroinetraining.com Our theme music is The Stream by Rory Thank you for joining us